0: Hello and welcome to the Paediatric Research Podcast for March 2016, I'm Kerry Smith. Brains are very delicate, but babies' brains even more so. If babies are born preterm, they can be at risk of brain injury if they don't get enough oxygen at birth. But it's pretty hard to see if a baby's brain is getting enough oxygen or not in order to treat it. One solution that's being trialled is a brain monitoring technique called near-infrared spectroscopy. It's non-invasive, and it uses light to check on oxygen levels inside the brain. Researchers at Copenhagen University Hospital have just published results of a trial involving the technique, called NIRS for short, at eight different hospitals. They call their trial the SafeBoost 2 trial, for safeguarding the brains of our smallest children. They split preterm babies at each hospital into two groups, in one, they used NIRS to measure the brain, and in the other, they treated the babies as they would usually be treated in the ward. They also took other measurements of brain function to learn more about what might be causing brain injury in babies who don't get enough oxygen. I asked two of the researchers, Gorm Gryson and Anametta Plonggard, to explain the study. Gorm started by telling me about the dangers of hypoxia.
1: All cells require oxygen. All human cells require oxygen for their normal function and for their survival. So there is no question that if oxygen becomes too scarce, the cell will stop functioning and later the cell will, will actually be disrupted and die. And, and oxygen is brought to the brain by the blood flow. So, so the two important parts of the, of the question is, on one side, the amount of oxygen available in the blood, and we can measure that already and then blood flow to the brain or to the brain tissue, which we cannot readily measure. And therefore, we measure cerebral oxygenation as an indicator of the balance between on one side oxygen supply and on the other side the oxygen requirement of of the brain cells and the tissue.
0: So Anna Meta, you've been doing um, a lot of the work writing up this particular paper. You use a technique called nears to monitor the level of oxygen in the brain in these preterm infants. Just tell me a little bit about the way you set the study up.
2: We had two groups of infants, uh, extremely preterm, and within the first three hours of life, they were randomised to two groups. One group, the intervention group, we measured nears, and we had the values available for the clinicians and they were, came together with a treatment guideline for, um, mm-hmm. with suggestions for interventions when the range ranges were too low or too high. And in the other group, we would measure the nearest values, but blindly, so the clinicians wouldn't be able to see them, and the children would be treated at uh, standard care.
0: But you went a step further than just monitoring the brains, didn't you, with, with NIRS. You also measured a couple of other things in the babies to see if you could find any signs of brain injury, or brain recovery for that matter. You measured a compound found in blood called S100 beta and EEG, which is the measure of brain function.
2: Yeah, we, were, we were interested in, in finding measurements that were able to describe a discrepancy between the control group and the, the intervention group. In this paper, we describe uh, both the EEG measurements, the electroencephalographic measurements. As we know, in term infants, these measures are um, affected if the infant has suffered from uh, uh, birth asphyxia.
0: Okay, so you have these measurements of brain activity and function. You have EEG, electroencephalography. And you have some biomarkers as well of the damage that might be done by hypoxia.
2: Yeah, and we looked at the beta, 100 beta. It is a a biomarker of brain injury that leaks from the the cells when they suffer from hypoxia. We know that it's been shown to be increased in preterm infants with intraventricular hemorrhages. And we know that uh, it's also elevated in infants uh, born at term who suffers from birth asphyxia.
0: And what were the differences then? In all of your conditions, you measured EEG, you measured some biomarkers in the blood. What were the differences between the experimental condition and the control condition?
2: Even though we, in the, in the intervention group, the, uh, the burden of hypoxia was significantly reduced by more than 50%, We weren't able to to show this in any of the biomarkers.
0: So what you're saying is that the intervention did decrease the burden of hypoxia overall, but it didn't affect these biomarkers that you'd hoped would vary alongside it. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, it is. It is very interesting. And uh, there could be different explanations for this. It might be that our ranges for intervention was uh, too high. I mean, that, that the burden of Hypoxia should have been higher to introduce brain damage.
0: Were you surprised, Gorm, to find that there wasn't really any difference between the biomarkers and the EEG measures that you that you
1: found? When we planned this study, the primary outcome was a burden of hypoxia and hypoxia, actually, too much oxygen. Um, this was the purpose of the trial. But we also included these, uh, these other outcomes as... Um, Well, we hoped that we would be able to see something. We used these biomarkers because we thought that they were close to the process of early brain injury. So we we imagined that if our experimental group should do better, there should be some indication that the brain cells actually were doing better. And we took these two different measures. So EEG as a measure of, of brain cell function and molecular biomarkers as indicators of sort of brain cell health. So I must say that I was, I was uh, disappointed.
0: But I suppose you can't be disappointed with the result that there's a, a 50% decrease in the hypoxia burden between the two conditions. It just leaves you wondering why.
1: This was our, the primary outcome. That was a success, I would say, because we were, I must say we were also uh, a bit doubtful whether it would be possible partly for clinicians at mid, in the middle of the night to respond appropriately to this new signal and we were speaking of a trial who ran in eight different neonatal units across Europe so it was a great success that we saw this reduction in in hypoxia and I must say that also I I would very much like to be able to carry out a bigger trial with a clinical outcome but I must say that precisely this that there was no, no visible, no discernible difference in these biomarkers was disappointing
0: and tell me just briefly what your next steps might be. You, you, you said that you did this trial in eight different centres around Europe. That already sounds quite big, but you'd like to make it bigger.
1: We need to do it, make it bigger. And no, I mean, that is certainly not only in this context. We know that for all kinds of trials, that if you want to change clinical outcome, you need much bigger trials. We have planned, and actually I applied for EU money for a trial involving 92 European neonatal units. Which were to randomise 1,600, I'm um, 10 times more babies, and this is obviously is a big trial. But we calculated that if this comes out successfully, and, and we will be able to reduce the risk of dying or, or surviving with a severe brain injury by sort of 8%, then that would save the life of uh, 1,000 babies in Europe per year. So, so it would be very beneficial. And I don't think that this particular result sort of puts us off completely. So although it was a disappointment, uh, it, uh, it has not taken away the drive to try to carry this on to a clinical, a large clinical trial. And there is a great interest in the infrared spectroscopy for the improvement of several outcomes. We have had a lot of interest from colleagues. And uh, I think by making a trial simpler, uh, easier to perform, it will it'd be possible to make it much cheaper. And if it can make it cheaper, it may be doable.
0: And do you think that future treatments should be guided by this near-infrared monitoring technique?
1: I mean, it makes a lot of sense that if you sort of guide, if you want to steer something, you want to steer on a monitoring variable which is close to, uh, I mean, to what you're aiming at. and And the whole idea is to aim at keeping the supply of oxygen to the brain within reasonable ranges. Uh, but obviously this result does say, I must say as a scientist, and I I've spend a lot of time on studying cerebral circulation, cerebral blood flow, and also electrical function, it is certainly possible, as animated said, that um, these, these degrees of cerebral hypoxia are not so important so that are, it is entirely possible that our concepts or, or our ideas about what is important is not really correct.
0: Gorm Gryson and before him Anna Plomgard, Plomgaard, both at Copenhagen University Hospital. There's more on the results of the Safeboosk 2 trial in pediatric research available online at nature.com/pr. I'm Kerry Smith. Thanks for listening.